The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. On my hand, I have the tattoo, who cares? And (laughs) who cares is not, I don't care. Who cares for me is what I ask myself when I write of, it's, it's kind of like saying, so what? It's, it's, it's the prompt in which I use to strip it all back. And okay, so you have this character and you know she's going through hard times. Well, who cares? Well, her mother has cancer, who cares? You, know, you keep on asking yourself that to try to really connect to a true heartbeat. Greetings, scribes. You've tuned into The Writer Files, and I am still your humble host, Kelton Reed, sending you positivity and prolificness during these challenging times. This week, the in-demand screenwriter and director, Mattson Tomlin, took a minute to rap with me about debuting a film during a pandemic, what it takes to break into Hollywood, and how he was brought on to co-write The Batman with Matt Reeves. Matson rose to prominence in 2017 after a bidding war for his original screenplay that became the Netflix film Project Power, starring Jamie Foxx, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Dominique Fishback. The Hollywood Reporter describes the unique film as an action-packed tale that tackles themes like government control and exploitation of marginalized communities. Tomlin recently gained attention for being brought on to co-write The Batman with director Matt Reeves, The reboot will star Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, and Jeffrey Wright, among others. He is also writing a film adaptation of the video game character Mega Man for 20th Century Studios and recently sold a spec script titled 2084 to Paramount Pictures. In this file, Mattson and I discussed how he writes 10 scripts a year, why you need to try to find the film that's in your head, the curious tattoo he uses to stay on track, his unique approach to Rubik's cubing genres, how he became one of Hollywood's busiest screenwriters, and why every script is a chance to change your life. Stay safe and stay sane out there. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published and leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts to help other writers find us. And we have returned once again to the Writer Files. And I am ecstatic today to be joined by an esteemed guest. I've got screenwriter and director, Mattson Tomlin. Man, thanks so much for taking the time to do this. Dude, thanks for having me. I understand that you're probably doing quite a bit of 
press in the run-up to the, uh, I should say, this upcoming Netflix debut project, Power. Yeah. Yeah. What, so uh, how are you feeling about it? It's wild on so many levels. Um, I, you know, I think that there's the obvious one of a movie coming out during a pandemic and that looking much different than what was originally envisioned a year ago of picturing, you know, the, the premiere and, you know, being out in the world, seeing it with people and, and that whole version. Um, there's also, you know, just, just the kind of the, 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 the craziness of it's my first movie to finally come out. And it's, it's been, you know, I've, I've been at this for, for a minute now. And so to finally be going from total obscurity to relative obscurity, uh, it, it, it feels really great. You know, I, I was able to send the, the trailer to some family members who understand what screenwriting is and understand that I do it. But then finally, when they saw that trailer, it was like, oh, wait, you do this for real. It's like, yes, that's <laughs> what I've been saying. Like, we're, we're here. I've arrived. So it's, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Yeah, man. It's so cool to see all the success that you've had. And of course, once this um, podcast is out into the world, Project Power will be also um, streaming on Netflix. So that's pretty exciting. Um, I did get a chance to check it out and man, I was blown away. Um, this film is uh, something to behold and it stars Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon-Levitt who both have like this pedigree, right? And yeah. some some serious street cred because, you know, um, Joseph uh, Gordon-Levitt's done a handful of like top-notch sci-fi films. Jamie Foxx, oh, yeah. of course, and his work with Michael Mann. I mean, yeah, talk a little bit about how it all came together because I understand like it was 2016, you're sitting in a coffee shop uh, working on a draft of Project Power and now it's like just uh, the biggest thing to kind of hit Netflix in a while. Um, yeah, talk a little bit about your superhero origin story because obviously, you know, we, we joke a lot on this show about like, like that 10-year overnight success, but yeah, go turn the clock back to your superhero origin story kind of about how, totally. you, how you got here. Totally. You know, I, I, um, I went to the American Film Institute and I went for directing and I, I graduated in 2014 and, you know, very quickly discovered how difficult it is to start your directing career. It involves, of course, making the movie, but it also involves a lot of people's permission and it involves a lot of money. And at that point, I, I took a real run at it and the, the thing I was trying to do fell apart. And I found myself out of favors and very out of money and very in debt from school. And so I, I took this pivot into screenwriting because that didn't involve anybody's permission. I could just do it right yeah. then and right there. And, you know, the, the, the truncated version is that I had a, a number of years where I was writing and the, the thing I can say about me as a writer is that I'm, I'm a real workhorse. I write 10 scripts a year and my deal with myself back then was that these scripts didn't have to be good. I just had to finish them. And so out of those, those 10, two or three would be good. And I, I eventually got a manager and an agent and all that, that stuff kind of fell into place. And, you know, I, I think it was 2015 that I was on the annual blacklist for the first time. And that really helped kind of start to get me in rooms and be parts of be part of a conversation with, you know, getting put on assignments and all of that. But I got to this point in 2016, 2017, where 
I was I was writing scripts. I wasn't writing movies. I was writing scripts and I wasn't understanding the difference. You know, I could I could tell a good story. There were compelling characters. There were great scenes, but it, it, it functioned better as a document. And it was kind of like, well, these are things that are great to read, but it's never going to get made because Hollywood makes a certain kind of thing. And I had a, a, a long kind of, you know, sober look at myself and went, OK, I, I need to start writing movies, real movies that can actually get made. And the first thing that I sat down and wrote was was Project Power, which is titled Power at the time. And my whole way in, you know, I, I, I found myself going, I need to write something that is what I want to see. You know, if this were to drop on Netflix, that I would hmm. stop my day and just press play on it. You know, it, it wasn't a calculated like looking at the market and seeing what else was getting made. It was purely just what is the stuff that I'm into? And I'm really into comic books. I'm really into super powers and superheroes and, and all of that stuff. And, you know, this was this was before I was able to get on to working on some other stuff that that is based on actual comic books. So without the IP, I had to create something myself. And ultimately, my way in was to go, I'm going to Rubik's Cube genres, because right now it seems like we're we're looking at superhero as a genre. And, you know, I I think that at the time it was starting to, to to bend a little bit. You know, everybody was really high on Captain America Winter Soldier because it, it felt like this spy espionage thriller done mm-hmm. as a superhero movie. And it was kind of in that mode that I was like, OK, what I really want to do is see a movie that has superpowers in it, but also feels like eight mile. Like, mm. that's cool. Nobody else is doing that. I want to see a superhero, superpower movie that feels like collateral. Like, nobody's doing that. Yeah. And it, it was it was kind of this eight-mile collateral superpower blend that I, I then started to really go into the direction. And, and you know, I, as you said, I was working in a coffee shop. I was, you know, every day going to, to Caldi Coffee and Atwater and, and sitting at this little corner table and just pounding out pages. And it was, it was Robin. It was the character Robin, the, the, that was my way in, you know, um, my, my, my process, anytime I write a movie is to really, you know, stop and go on Netflix or go on whatever and try to find that film, try to find the film that's in my head or a film that's really close to it. Because if it already exists, hooray, I don't have to write it and do all of that work. I can just sit down and watch it and enjoy it. (laughs) <laughs> and what I what I found really quickly is that there the 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 number of big fun action movies, you know, something in the vein of Project Power, the number of those films that have a young black woman at the center of them, let alone in them at all, is shamefully low. It mm-hmm. it almost does not exist. And that to me was like, okay, that's a point of view. That's a character that has a voice and I want to hear her voice. And so I went on this journey with Robin where she was really my discovery into art and into Frank and into this world of, of the powers and the pill and the five minutes and all of that. She was always the heart of it for me. And, you know, I, I, I wrote this thing in this coffee shop and uh, it, it very quickly started to get a lot of attention in, in town. People started to read it and 
uh, Brian Unclus and Eric Newman came on. You know, I chose them as my producers. And yeah. a couple of months after that, Henry and Rel came on to direct. And, and there's this kind of this synergy of, okay, all of these creative people. And we all kind of see that there's a way to do this that, you know, is kind of an, an homage to the stuff that's been there before, you know, of the superpower stuff. But it also does it differently. And, you know, one of one of my big hooks in when that 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 opening scene with the guy who catches on fire is, you know, we've we've seen that whether or not it's the Fantastic Four or, or any other, you know, flamey characters <laughs> and just just coming at it from this point of, well, if I were on fire and I were sitting in a chair, the chair would catch on fire and the ceiling would catch on fire and then the building <laughs> would be on fire. And why does that not happen when Johnny Storm says flame on? Well, that feels like an avenue that's worth pursuing. And so it was approaching kind of every scene like that of what if we just dealt with this like it was a twinge more real and really thought about the domino effect here. And then it created some of, you know, these really cool action pieces, which which the boys executed so masterfully. Yeah, I mean, it's really, really something to look at. And as you mentioned, you know, I think it comes through in the um, production and the directing, this kind of this love of that gritty uh, comic book world. And um, yeah, I mean, I had, I made so many parallels to different um, great filmmakers. I mean, I was seeing some Christopher Nolan in there and of course, Michael Mann, who you mentioned, that, yeah. colla that collateral. Um, I mean, so many of his things are just so- A plus. So, it great to look at. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. But yeah, I mean, going back to kind of 
the content. And of course, you know, I want to talk a little bit more about your process, but you know, there, there is something very timely about this, this film, is there not? And, you know, kind of the insight and, you know, I know that the producers have talked about this magic trick that you, that you pull off bringing this concept as you described it, kind of a superpowers, you know, with this feeling of eight mile meets collateral. But, um, yeah, talk a little bit about just the concept of it and, and why it feels so, so relevant and timely to right now, as you mentioned, obviously, um, there's a young black woman protagonist, which is obviously, um, important right now, but talk about the ideas about, as you know, you've mentioned kind of taking on the power structure of America, the haves and the have nots, you know, there's, there's, there are some clear parallels to (laughs) what we're dealing with today in real life. Um, you know, including the opioid epidemic and, you know, I couldn't help but think about all these like really timely, important messages here. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think that for me, when I'm writing, there's, there's this great saying that all, all art is propaganda. And Mm. I, I really believe that not in that every movie has to be a message movie or that it has a political agenda, but it, it has to have a point of view. It has to say something. And, you know, right now we are going through this incredible reckoning and all of these very, very overdue conversations that, that have to do with the police, with race, with the opi- opioid cross- crisis, with with, you know, the role of government, you know, like that's that's literally who has the power in this country. And we're 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 staring down the barrel of that right now with 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 everything from, you know, our how our tax dollars are spent to the election, all of it. And, you know, it I think that the movie couldn't be coming out at a better time. And yeah. it's it's not that it was planned. I think that we're just in a moment where all of those themes that have always been there, you know, they were there in 2016, they were there in 2012, they were there in 1910. But I I think that part of my job as a screenwriter is to connect to what is primal, is to connect Mm -hmm. to what is, you know, will speak to everybody, you know, how it speaks to them and what they take away from it. Like that's, that is the job of the audience. But I think this is still answering your question, but I, I feel compelled to talk talk about it for a second. You know, on my hand, I have the tattoo, who cares? And <laughs> who cares is not, I don't care. Who cares for me is what I ask myself when I write of, it's it's kind of like saying, so what? It's, it's, it's the prompt in which I use to strip it all back. And okay, so you have this character and, you know, she's going through hard times. Well, who cares? Well, her mother has cancer. Who cares? You know, you keep on asking yourself that to try to really connect to a true heartbeat that then reflects something about the real world, which I think all great sci-fi should do. Mm -hmm. So in the case of Project Power, you know, I, I, I think it's very lucky that the movie is, is coming out this summer because it, it, it is a movie that, that has things to say. And, I think that the the biggest thing in the movie is you know who who does have that power is the is the power that uh, that onto the individual is the power of the government is the power you know shady third parties who are actually running the world you know it 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 asks these questions and then manages to do it in a way that's very fun and very popcorn which I I think is you know when you're making a movie of this size like it has to be fun. Like it, it has yeah. to, to work for people as a piece of entertainment, uh, but sure. also connect to something real. I want to, I want to pick your brain about some screenwriters that you look up to, uh, at some point. Sure. Um, 
Yeah, as you mentioned, that that zeitgeist piece that you're kind of tapping into is is pretty powerful. I thought one of the quotes from the movie, um, the system is designed to swallow you whole, was kind of, uh, you know, as you mentioned, we're facing all these concentric circles of crises that we talk about so often in the show. And it's hard not to kind of um, see everything through that lens, obviously. Yeah. But uh, yeah, incredible timing for Project Power. But yeah, uh, you know, what else do you want to say about the film? Um, You know, kind of the the one-liner, when a pill that gives its users unpredictable superpowers for five minutes hits the streets of New Orleans, a teenage dealer and a local cop must team with an ex-soldier to take down the group responsible for its creation. Fantastic premise. What else do you want to say about it? Because, you know, I mean, like when I think of popcorn movies of your, yeah. you know, I think sometimes of like a, a Shane Black flick or like an Esther House flick or, you know, like those really, you know, but the, those, they don't really exist anymore, do they? Or do they? Is this kind of resurrecting a... I hope so, man. I, I hear what you're saying. I, you know, I, I think that in, in the case of this movie, it, it, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you have to have the hooky idea, but you also have to have the characters that you love. And I think that when you get both of those and can put them together, like that's when you're really in business. That's when you're really, you know, making something cool. And for for me, it it was all about Rubik's cubing these different genres in exciting ways and grounding the powers in certain ways. And just, you know, it's it is stuff that we've seen before because, you know, a, every screenwriter will tell you that everything has been done already. It's all been done to death. So then it's <laughs> how you do it that is the important thing. And I, you know, I don't know. They're they're I in the original script, the powers worked for 15 minutes. And it was it was Henry and Rel who at one point when we were when we were working on on the development to get to that green light, they had the idea of like, what if it's just five? Like, what if you just do this for five? And uh-huh. there it, it's such a good idea. Like, I have to give them all the credit to just like bring the number down. Now I look at it, I'm like, it should be one minute. Like, we like, <laughs> like we, it, should, it should it should be like 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 a cannonball run you know and it 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 creates these set pieces it creates these obstacles that you know i i I think that if you just live in those realities and you know like how long should this last okay five minutes well now that's a set piece because now a character has to do a from a to b and we can do it in real time of actual five minutes of the movie like it, it just created all of these great possibilities that i'm you know i'm so excited for the movie to come out uh, my, my, two of my best friends, you know, kids, kids that I grew up with, I've known since I was 10 years old, they saw the trailer and I hadn't talked to them a lot about the movie. You know, they're, 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 they're back home in new England. And, um, you know, it was so perfect because they see the trailer in the morning and then all day, the two of them were in this group text and they're talking, they're just going back and forth. What would your power be? What would your power be? And they just <laughs> go, go into this whole thing completely unprompted by me whatsoever. And it's like, Oh, that's fun. Like that. That shows me that the movie is on some level going to work because it gets you to engage in just the wish fulfillment of it, which I, I think, you know, is awesome. Yeah. Um, OK, so this is this is a um, an original screenplay that you, that you wrote. Sure. Is. So describe describe a little bit like the difference between writing that spec script from the ground up, uh, as we say, to being brought on board to help co-write the Batman 
with yeah. Matt, Matt Reeves. I mean, what's that? What is that feeling like? And, and talk a little bit about the difference in the process there. Yeah, I mean, I one of the big differences is that when I first started writing Power, it was completely in a bubble of just me in a coffee shop and and that's it. When I came on to to work with Matt, he had already been writing for a long time. And not only had he been writing, he's also directing the movie. And so I am there as support. I am there to back up. I am there to stress test and vet and and further ideas. But it 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 is such a different process just in terms of like, I'm not the king there. Like Matt's the king. There's a phase in power. There's a phase with with your original scripts where, you know, you are the king. And then eventually you have to to let that power go and, and give it over to the directors. But um I think that more interestingly than that, uh, when you you know, and it you could say it about Batman or you could say it about you know any of the the stuff that I'm working on that that is based on IP, you know, Batman, Mega Man, you know, all of these characters, they they have fan bases. And you know, I'm part of those fan bases. I love these characters. And you know, it, it comes with a certain amount of expectation. You know, there are things that you want to see in a Batman movie. There are things you don't want to see in a Batman movie. Uh, you know, there there are tropes and, you know, you 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 want to push it in ways so that it feels new, but not so that it feels like it's suddenly not of what you expect. And that's a very different task than when you're writing something original where, there is no expectation. People don't know what to think. You know, they don't have this primal connection to a character that's been around for 81 years. So instead, <laughs> uh, it's it's all about hooking them. It's all about getting them to fall in love rather than keeping them in love, if if you will. Um, mm-hmm. So it's different. It's different muscles. It's really different muscles, and it's a big part of the reason where you know now as I as I am getting invited into these these big houses, and I say invited in because you know. I am a guest in the house of Batman and I'm very happy to be there. And, and, and my time there is, is very uh, precious to me and, and life changing. And it, it's, it's definitely changed my relationship to the internet. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I am a guest and there'll be, yeah. there'll be a point where I am no longer in that house. And uh, the original stuff is the original stuff. And, and, you know, there, there's so much less pressure on it in some ways that uh, you can be more surprising. You can be more inventive. You can be, uh, you, you can, you can, you know, it just doesn't have the same level of audience expectation. And so you can surprise people in different ways is what I'm trying to say. It's not that one is better than the other. Sure. They are just, you know, different plans of attack, if that makes sense. For sure. And I'm, you know, I have a feeling that your experience as a, as a writer or director probably helps in that process as well for some sure. of the empathy stuff. But yeah, I mean, amazing cast. That's going to be a fantastic. And Zoe Kravitz is one of my favorites. She's so cool. Her um, high fidelity role was just, I thought, amazing. I'm a big fan of yeah. uh, the book as well. But um, yeah, so you got all these cool projects coming up. Um, talk talk for a minute about your influences, like some of your, your favorites. Um, you know, of your, or right now, uh, you know, either screenwriters or directors or. Totally. I read the script from Michael Clayton, probably. I mean, I'm sure any screenwriter who's listening to this is rolling their eyes. Cause it's just like, <laughs> yeah, dude, we, we all read the script to Michael Clayton, but it, it, 
it's just so good and just pulls off some tricks. You know, you open up to that first page and it's just a wall of dialogue. It's just he does that whole that 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 whole monologue just goes for a page and you're kind of like, this is a master. This is a master who is just flexing muscles right now. And, <laughs> you know, I, I think that for me, you know, I, I, I loved the the Quiet Place script that that Beck and Woods wrote because it, it just, you know, I, I think that script was 81 pages long mm. and it mm. just, you know, it 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 has teeth and it has a point of view and it really made you go shut up and read this thing. I I loved Greta Gerwig's script for Little Women. It just there's a craft to it and she did this this ingenious thing that I I haven't really seen before with you know dual dialogue and putting slashes where people are supposed to interrupt each other to really create this flow that you mm. really, you know, it feels more conversational and more rhythmic. So this is this is all a way of saying that what I really appreciate are the people who who play with the form and stress test the form uh -huh. um you know a good story is a good story but when i look at screenwriters specifically i'm really looking at you know who has tricks up their sleeve and and is willing to play on the page because because that's that's the arena you know if if a movie is good or bad that that is less interesting to me when it comes to screenwriters because once they've written it so much of it is out of their hands so I really look to the page to see like, okay, what were you really trying to do here? And, uh, you know, there, like, there, there are some real heavy hitters out there that I, I think are just totally great. Yeah. Filmmakers, you know, it's, it's, it's of course the, the, the usual murderers row, you know, I, I love my Finchers. <laughs> I love my, my Paul Thomas Anderson's I'm, I'm so high on Barry Jenkins right now. Like mm. I just, I've, I've been watching, Moonlight and Beale Street over and over and over. I've, I've, you know, that's kind of been my my quarantine go to thing right now, where I'm I'm just watching. I God, I've probably I've probably watched them both six times at this point. And you know, the 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 man is just a master of the empathetic close up. Like you know, he, any any time we really punch in on somebody's face, it brings tears to my eyes. And I I don't really know how he does it. It's just some intuitive right place right time it's i mean it's clearly deliberate on his part but yeah. you know I, I i love people that can make me cry i love people that can make me really feel something i love people that can really make me you know feel slapped silly huh. another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, well, before we wrap up here, I know you got to go. I probably pick your brain all day. 
Um, do you have some advice to, to fellow um, screenwriters on just how to keep going, how to persevere? And, and you know, because yeah. I know there's probably a lot of screenwriters that are struggling out there, especially during the pandemic with, you know, access or whatever it might be. Um, yeah. You know, the industry is yeah. definitely having some, some uh, pains. But yeah, talk to, talk to that uh, screenwriter who's like, you know, how do I keep, keep this up? How do I keep momentum? Me, yeah. Me four years ago, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's so tough because you, you could get 25 people ask them this question and they would all have such wildly different answers as to like what their path was in some ways talking about my specific path, isn't going to help anybody because it's not reproducible. There are things that are reproducible and you know, there's this this tweet going around right now uh, that that um, I, I wish I could remember who it was. Somebody smarter than me uh, saying <laughs> saying that uh, you know Hollywood is not a meritocracy. You know, it's I, just because you've done good work that doesn't mean that you're going to be the one that that rises to the top. Um, and I I think that it's very true. Um, you know, I I look at Hollywood like it is a casino. You are gambling when you come into try to be a screenwriter and every script is a bet. So my tactic, you know, was to write 10 scripts a year. You know, I think that for, for, for young writers, for writers that are trying to break in or writers that, you know, have staffed or are, you know, have reps, but feel like their reps aren't doing anything for them or, you know, whatever it may be, every script is an opportunity to change your life. Every script is an investment in yourself. And, you know, how it finds its way out into the world is going to be specific to everybody's network and, and, and what they, you know, have access to. But I, I can't stress enough starting projects, finishing projects and having a lot of them like that. That seems to be kind of a reliable key that I, I feel comfortable saying to, to young people and, and feel like I haven't led them totally astray. Um, <laughs> you don't go to Vegas and, you know, bet your entire life savings on one bet and then hope that you get rich. You, you go and you place a lot of bets over multiple games. And I think that if you look at Hollywood, like it is this casino where it's not even that you're trying to get rich, but you're trying to get the opportunity to do something else or get the opportunity to work with fancy people or whatever the thing is, it so much of it just comes down to having the material doing so much of it so that when somebody finally does notice you, they realize, wait, you're doing all of this work and nobody is making money off of you yet. Well, (laughs) that seems like a big hole and I want to take advantage of that. The second that people realize they can make money off of you, uh, doors, doors will open. It's a really crass way to talk about it, but it, I, I think that that really is part of the real, like so much of it is just about building a library that says, this is who I am. Wow. I think that's a great place to wrap. I really appreciate your wisdom and congrats on all the successes, man. It is uh, Project Power, Netflix, check it out and uh, come back and talk with us again. We'd love to. We'd totally love to. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of The Writer Files. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review to help other writers out there find us. You can always leave a comment or a question and visit the entire archives at writerfiles.fm. And you can chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. 
talk to you next week. 